I've always said winning cures all wrongs. And so if you have dysfunction in a locker room, but you're winning, there's no dysfunction. And vice versa. If you have a pretty healthy locker room, but you're losing, they're going to find dysfunction. And so uh, winning just, it just changes the whole tenor of the season. I mean, it's fun to come into work. The days don't feel long. Uh, you love the grind. Um, you, know, you build that brotherhood. And uh, you, you make memories, great memories. And you look back on the season just saying, boy, that was the best of times. And so it's all about winning. It changes everything. And um, and so we got to you know, find a way to keep it going because 6-2, and two, especially these last four weeks, that feels pretty good. And, you know, let's let's keep it going. And good evening, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Under Center with Kirk Cousins. Mark Rosen with you. And, Kirk, I uh, hope you had a good weekend. First of all, I get to play Thursday night, so the benefit is Friday, Saturday, Sunday off. That must be kind of unusual for you. Yeah, we've been calling it a mini-buy, and <laughs> yeah. uh, we've enjoyed that. So it's been good to catch your breath. I think it came at the right time, literally the halfway point of the season, to have a true halftime this weekend. I think it's also valuable to watch other games in a way that I normally don't. An entire Sunday of football you find yourself watching from a different perspective than when you're playing a game that same weekend. So I thought that was helpful to watch and, and learn what's going on around the league. And um, now we're back into it and start the second half. Well, let, we'll get into the uh, specifics of the Kansas City preview and maybe I'm sure watching the, the Chiefs game on Sunday night a little bit later. But you are a fan on Sunday then. You spent some time watching other games just in generally like anybody else or is it hard for you to do that it's hard for me to watch as a fan it's hard for me to watch like anybody else the way I watch is so analytical I'm looking at the defense the pressure the situation Mm -hmm. the time on the clock the timeouts and I'm so focused on how the quarterback's going through his process so it's a little different it's really not an enjoyable way to watch the game I feel a little bit out of a sense of duty I need to watch certainly the Sunday night game when our uh, you know, opponent the Chiefs is playing the, a division rival, so that was you know informative. But uh, the rest of the day, I just try to flip back and forth between games. And what I find fascinating is the last two minutes of all these games and all that comes up. Do you pay attention a lot to what the analysts, many times former players, are saying, thinking maybe I could do that <laughs> down the road? Or usually right on, you go, wait a minute, you don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, it's uh, it's a little bit of everything. There's no doubt that uh, many of them are former players. I do have always felt a little biased towards quarterbacks that a quarterback's going to be more knowledgeable about what's going on. He has to study what everybody does on offense. He also has to study what everybody on defense is doing. Probably the only thing I'm not qualified or most quarterbacks aren't qualified to talk about is the kicking game at, at some points. But, uh, you know, when you're playing other positions, you can get pretty tunnel-visioned and, and focused on your job and your matchup and your one-on-one, and there's not a lot of perspective with everything else. So I do prefer to listen to the quarterbacks who call the game just out of their perspective and when they were playing, all they had to think about. Well, let's put a bow around the uh, the game against Washington last Thursday night that the Vikings won, of course, uh, to, to go to 6-2. and two. Uh, in, in terms of, you talked about before the game, you mentioned an after game. Uh, people asking you, does it, did it mean more playing your old team, a team that you said you were grateful that they drafted you right. for? In retrospect, did it mean more when you look at back at it, or was it just another game? Uh, we had to win. And I, you know, I certainly didn't want to, you know, play a team that I had played for previously and, and lose. Um, but I don't know that you ever want to or okay with losing. So the win was what mattered. We got the win. Um, was pleased with the way we played. Uh, there were certainly plays we could have had better, but I thought overall it was a fairly clean game. And um, you know, I thought the Redskins front seven did a really good job, uh, kind of stopping our run at times. And and then we kind of wore them down. And then late in the game, we were able to get it going. But I thought they were pretty active, and I felt them their pass rush at times throughout the game. And so, wanted to give them credit as well. Uh, but when you win, 
you know, you check that box and you move on and you just are, are very pleased going into what that mini buy that long weekend. And Mike Zimmer mentioned after the game, I think at one point, maybe late in the game, we looked up at the scoreboard. You had over 400 total yards and Washington had just barely over 200. He couldn't believe you only had 19 points. Yeah, and that was the same feeling I had as, boy, we're playing well, we're playing clean, but as we talk about critical errors or critical situations and not capitalizing, and those would be you know turnovers. We had the fumble early in the game mm-hmm. when we got into plus territory and had a chance to score on that drive. And then we settled for field goals instead of touchdowns multiple times. Um, and then you know I think their field position at times was more favorable. And so that all kind of culminated into a lot of yards and not a lot of points. And um, when you play really good football teams here in the second half of the year that we have up ahead, you know that's going to come back to bite you. So we have to be better – with the red zone points, getting touchdowns instead of field goals, and then uh, making sure that we just don't give teams and gift teams, you know, after we've earned a great play, give them the football back. Did Washington make a concerted effort to take away the play-action bootleg, which had worked so well for you in previous games, yeah. or was it just something that just developed as the game wore on? Because it didn't seem like you were doing it as much. Yeah, we didn't get to it as much, so it was something we um, didn't call. I think there were they were picking their spots. There were moments where I came out of a fake or came out of a handoff and was faking a bootleg and noticed they didn't account for me. And there were other times where I noticed they did, and they were definitely aware of the of the bootleg. And so from play to play, it was different. It was something we didn't dial up as much as maybe we have in the previous weeks. I think some of that is when you have 16 straight rushing attempts to end the game on that final right. drive. You know, you're just not opening up your playbook as much, which I would also point to two of our other home wins. We just didn't really open it up and do all that we had prepared to do because we didn't feel like it was necessary. And as a result, we played the game that, that we played to, to win. It's almost a four-corner offense, like watching it in, in basketball. Thursday night football has become uh, a staple for the, the National Football League. It used to be just Thanksgiving Day Thursdays. Right. Is it an oddity? Do you feel like teams are not as sharp, not just your own team, but when you watch mm-hmm. Thursday night football? Or is that just a misnomer? That because you only have a few days to get ready for a game. I think it's a misnomer. I noticed uh, at times you'll see blowouts, and it always made me wonder if you know, the blowout was more to attribute to the short week and maybe you know, one team being able to manage that or handle that better than another, whereas if you have full week-to-week schedule, maybe the, the game's a little closer. But I haven't seen the results either on injuries, and if there's a health difference, mm-hmm. I don't know if there is. Um, but all in all, I like it. I think that to change it up uh, – Put TV on Thursday night. First of all, as a football fan, I don't mind tuning in on Thursday night. And then secondly, uh, I think we as players enjoy getting a chance to catch our breath on the weekend and have something to look forward to that you know we don't stay in that Sunday-to-Sunday Sunday grind all year long. So we look forward to bye weeks, and we look forward to mini bye weeks. So that's kind of a benefit. And um, all in all, I think, I think we understand the work that needs to go in Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and then we take advantage of that on the weekend. And quite frankly, because it's such a short week, we do a lot of walkthroughs, and I think the players like not having to full-speed practice <laughs> yeah, as well. That's a good point, yeah. Was it odd for you looking around going, my gosh, where's Adam Thielen? He's on the sidelines. Yeah. He's not here tonight. First game he's missed as a pro. Yeah, he told me it was the first time he'd ever done that. Uh, obviously, in the preseason, you do some standing and watching, mm-hmm. but uh, in the regular season, he had never done that, which I said, first of all, you know, uh, you know, be thankful that you're in that position. But, uh, yeah, as far as I've been in Minnesota, he's always been there. You know, we've had some games where we've missed other guys, but he's been there. So that was a unique deal. I think it was key that Stefan Diggs was as effective as he was because we knew we needed him. And, um, and then we ran the ball so well. So you have to have an answer, a compliment, when Adam isn't there. And the last couple of weeks we've had that. And it's something that we're very aware of if he isn't going to play in the future to, to have that answer. It, it seems as if the offense has been galvanized since Diggs' issues a few weeks back. I think he has over what, 24 catches for 500 yards. You sense that, that, uh, that he's, been, he's come around, that you guys are in sync, and that 
this is a huge part of uh, going forward to your, your connection with Stefan Diggs. Yeah, what's interesting about it all is I don't change anything. You know, when when suddenly we picked up some steam against the Giants and, and have been better in the last four weeks, I, nothing really changed in the way I prepare, the way I ask questions, the work I do at practice, uh, my, the way I'm reading the field or trying to get through my progressions. It's pretty much the same. Um, you know, I think maybe there's a little more intensity, a little more edge, but I think what's interesting is that it hasn't been different. And so for whatever reason, you know, Diggs even asked me after the game in the locker room, hey, what do you think has been different these past few weeks? And I said, well... We had a couple you know, missed throws against the Packers and Bears that were big plays that we just didn't hit. We had a touchdown called back you know, on a, on a penalty that was a little silly. So you, know, you start to have two, three, four of those plays hit, and that can be 100 yards of offense and a touchdown when you start adding it up, and that can feel really different. So I said suddenly we, we started to hit those plays, and it starts to feel different. But I, I said I think all along we've had the same approach, and we just have to stick to the course and, and stay to the plan. and and uh, I think we'll be just fine. You were 23 out of 26 for 285 yards. You had two throwaways and one drop. Passer rating over 112. Uh, you have been unbelievable the last four games in particular. Does it feel like you are really in control and running this offense and all cylinders right now? Do you feel like this is the Kirk Cousins that you want to be? Well, when I noticed um, as we got in this you know, four-game win streak, if you want to call it that, um, the confidence was building each week, and you could feel like going into the next game, there was an anticipation and excitement and energy, and maybe that's just part of winning and having momentum in this league, and that's certainly a big a big deal that you want to try to bottle and capture. But, uh, you know, I think having that confidence helps, and it, it in some ways helps you the next week to play better and to keep it going. And, um, you know, we're going into a tough environment this week. We'll get to it, but uh, uh, if there was ever a time to really, you know, find whatever you need to be at your best, it's this week and the, and the coming week. So, no, 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 let up on the gas pedal right now. We got to keep it rolling. I have to ask you. I was sitting up in the press box uh, watching the game, and they had a, uh, they had a stat up there on the scoreboard. It said, "Believe it or not, you were able to match the top speed posted by Dalvin Cook. That you're <laughs> you were clocked at about 19 miles per hour on your two yard scramble in the first quarter, equaling Cook's." Max speed on a two-yard run in the third quarter. So did you ever think you'd see the day? You'd be compared to Dalvin Cook you know, when it comes to run, your running speed. I don't know what to think of that. I, I do believe I've improved my athleticism over the years. I've worked hard at it. I don't know that I've reached the levels of Dalvin Cook or even a Stefan Diggs. I noticed he was like 19 and a half, and somehow mm-hmm. I was at 19. What was interesting was in 2016, I played in Detroit and had a, had a, a quarterback run for about 15 yards, which I usually don't have. And they told me I got up to 19 miles an hour on that run as well. And I thought, you know, the technology they must still be perfecting it because I don't know that that's true. Um, but they said they've gotten it better and better and better. I don't know what happened. A part of me wondered if when the defender shoved me out of bounds, if that yeah. extra shove may have pushed me, you know, an extra mile there per hour. Go. But I'll take it. And, hey, uh, to anybody evaluating me out there, by the way, I guess I run 19 miles an hour if that helps any evaluation standards. But you like you like you will use your feet. You will yeah. use the, you will figure out a way. You want you don't want to you want to slide when it's right. appropriate, which is important. Yeah, I think what's interesting is I I am definitely not a statue back there. I like to move around, like to do bootlegs. Um, I I like to uh, you know use my feet, as you said. But I'm still a pocket passer. You know that's how I got into this league. That's how I've uh, produced in this league. That's going to be my calling card as long as I'm playing. I think when you can find a good marriage of it where you are making plays off schedule, you are creative, you are uh, hard to, to get down because you're moving around, and yet you also are known for being a threat with your arm, I think those are the toughest guys to defend. I think of Aaron Rodgers as, as one that comes to mind. But 
Fran Tarkenton is a great example. Yes, he's famous for scrambling, but most of those scrambles were then him releasing the football and throwing it. And so that's something I try to be as a guy who can run around and, and, and be hard to bring down because of mobility, but the danger ultimately is with the arm. Well, not that it's happened very often uh, lately because it hasn't. When, when you miss a guy, when you come back to the sidelines, will you talk with the, the receiver or will you just ignore it and just like move on to the next? It's depend well, on the circumstances. <laughs> well, I'm not going to say the A word because that was a word we used in the podcast a few weeks ago that got brought up quite a bit. But uh, It sure did. I, when I talk to a receiver, honestly, if, especially if it's a missed throw, as you mentioned, the main thing I want to say is my bad. I want you to know that you did nothing wrong there because many times receivers are going to be self-critical and they're going to think, well, if he missed me on the throw, he must have thought I needed to be a yard deeper or a yard shorter or that I took mm-hmm. too long. Or There's got to be a reason that's, that's his fault. Many times they take ownership. So I want to let them know you did everything right. You got to your depth. You, you took the perfect angle. Uh, here's why. Here's why I missed it. Here's what happened. Or I just, you know, there is no reason. I just missed you. But sometimes they can't see what's going on in the pocket. And so I just want to communicate so that they're not left confused, wondering what's going on. Um, so it's it's a my bad kind of a thing. Usually when I'm talking to them, I don't like to over talk or mm-hmm. over communicate just to put on a show so that people who are overly you know reading into everything want to see. Oh, okay, he's talking to his receivers, so they're good. I'm not going to do that. You know, if there's nothing to talk about. There's nothing to talk about. Uh, but if I want to make sure a guy's on the same page, I'll go over there for sure and let him know what happened. All right, we'll be right back with our guest of the week, Kyle Brandt of NFL Network's Good Morning Football on Under Center with Kirk Cousins. Back to Under Center with Kirk Cousins, and here's Kirk's earlier interview with Kyle Brandt of the NFL Network's Good Morning Football. You know, we like to bring in guests who like us, and uh, Kyle Brandt is one of those guests. He's been in my corner for a few few uh, years now, and uh, Kyle, welcome to the show. Kirk, I am so glad I could squeeze you in. I'm in the middle of microwaving <laughs> some dino nuggets uh, for the kids. We're going to have some grapes, watch a little Bob the Builder, then jump in the Grand Chevy Caravan, put on some sunblock, and go to soccer practice. But I'm always about family, so I can always make time for cousins. I am thrilled to be on. That is eerily similar to what my life looks like these days. You know, the biggest challenge to that entire uh, evening you just uh, described yeah. is, is getting in and out of car seats. All right. Kirk, let's let's step into each other's office. So, as far as I understand this right, you got two kids, right? You That's have right, two, two little boys. boys. Yep. Two All boys. right. So, if you got little ones, you must be constantly in the eye of the car seat storm, and it's one of the worst things in the world. I I, I can't stand car seats because I can't do them. My wife Brooke and I have reached an agreement that she is going to handle the car seats because I've had meltdowns at O'Hare, uh, at LaGuardia. We do it at the airport, in the yes. drive. I can't get the buckle through. I can't get my knee in. So Brooke just takes over because I throw a fit. It's unbelievable. Like, oh, well, well said. And I have all different kinds of brands of car seats. We're living in different places. We're in Minnesota. Then we're in Atlanta yeah. where my wife's from. The travel, it's just, we're not, yeah, our lives are not made for a car seat life. So I look forward to when my boys are old enough to sit in the seat themselves pull their own suitcase, pack the suitcase for themselves. Uh, but the dad life right now is the struggle bus. But uh, good to know I'm not alone. Oh, my God. And the car seat game has changed, as you know. Oh, now, it's complex. You know, the, the, cup the dads holders. and the moms, are, they're online. They're, they're, what's the safest one? I mean, I remember growing up and being we would get in the station wagon, and we would just sit in the back, like facing backwards, well said. and go on a whole road trip in the station wagon. I don't even know if we had seatbelts on. Exactly. my car seat. Exactly. Now it's like you're in a NASA ship. Well, and, and the other problem is I have family come into town, and the boys are home with the babysitter, and now we're going to take a couple friends out, and there's me four of us 
of us in the car. And now we've got to take the car seats out. Because yeah, and, and right. that's just a nightmare. It's like it makes you want to just stay in and have the friends over for dinner in house. I don't want to deal with taking the car seats out and putting them back in. So no, because that's an hour. Let's just <laughs> order pizza, stay at home. We got friends that you know. My son Calvin is five, and he's got little friends now in the same age as him. And Brooke, my wife, will say, "Well, Calvin was invited for a play date over at so and so's house today, but the mom wanted to pick him up from school and take him." But and I won't let that happen because I know that mom is not a car seat mom, and I don't Ooh. want my son. And I said, "Honey." There, I know where their house is. It's two blocks away. doesn't matter. If they don't do the car seats like we do, they're not going. So now we're interfering with the boys' social life. The car seats <laughs> take over. They're everywhere. It changes the game. Something I did not realize was such a big component of parenting, but here we are. So uh, for those of you who don't know, Kyle Brandt is one of the uh, hosts of Good Morning Football on NFL Network. He's done a phenomenal job on that. You know, I got to uh, pump you up a little bit. I do Thank feel you. like that show is outstanding. And quite frankly, you know, there's some there's some slow weeks, some slow months in the winter, the July, where you guys have to fill a lot of time talking things. You know, you have to go down some deep rabbit holes to find content. And you do a heck of a job, and it's very watchable. And, and uh, there's great chemistry with you on the set. And so I just kind of wanted to ask, what's the key to having a good morning show like that? Because I think if we change the content, it was no longer football, and you had to talk about something totally different for a few hours you guys could do it so what makes you so successful sometimes we do have to do that kirk we actually <laughs> do a whole week about you know stranger things or whatever it is um here's the thing it and i, I appreciate the compliment because it what, what i go through is um we'll do the show in the season and it's on five days a week three hours live every day and then after wow. the super bowl i'll always have colleagues or people i run into and they say all oh, right that was a great season so so what do you guys do in the off season and I'm like, what do you mean? We have the show on every single day. Keep going. And so I would be like, yeah, we just keep going. There's, there's no, we don't have an off season. So, you know, I look at a job like you have a very difficult job, but I got to say, you know, two minutes left, uh, down five points with the Bears in town, the Packers, whoever it may be, difficult, sure. But you try getting through 15 hours of live television when you just have the owner's meetings to talk about or rule <laughs> changes. There hasn't been a game in four months. No players are tweeting. No one's doing anything funny. No one's doing anything dumb even. There's crickets. And then that red light goes on, and you got to say, wow, that uh, Cowboys game in five months is going to be great. Let's start breaking it down. You do, <laughs> really a, great, hard, you do a great job with it. And, uh, uh, you know, true to my brand, I don't know if you know this, I live with my in-laws in the offseason. Oh, I know about okay, that. Okay, okay. So I try to get away from football in the offseason. I'm not trying to consume it 12 months a year. But my father-in-law, he's trying to consume it 12 months a year. So mm-hmm. there are days where he's watching all three hours of your coverage in late February, mid-March, late April, mid July, he's watching it. So, my father-in-law wants to thank you, and uh, and like he said, it's it's very watchable. So you guys do a great job. Now, being that you do such a great job, uh, when you got into it, and even yeah. now after being so successful, do you have goals, aspirations for where you want your career to go, or your dream job on TV, or do you say, you know what, I don't know, I'm comfortable where I am, or do you have kind of another place you'd like to take it? Well, first of all, my new dream is I want to meet your father-in-law. What's this gentleman's name? <laughs> Mike Hampton. I think you guys would get along. Okay, Mike, and this is, this is Julie's father. This is yeah, correct? Yeah, that's correct. Okay, so he sounds like a great man. I'd love to meet him. Um, you know what, Kirk, it's kind of weird. Like, um, I, I look at your career, and you and I have talked about this, the coming out of high school, that there weren't the huge offers, and then Michigan State happens, and just your career just took off, and I don't know if you expected to sure. be where you are. Maybe you did when you were 14 or 15 or even 20. Um, I'm kind of the same way. Like I've been so all over the place and done so many strange things and eclectic 
jobs that now that I'm here, I'm always like kind of afraid to ask what's next. I think my yeah. wife's a little afraid too. So I want to keep doing what I'm doing. Um, I know I like to be around sports and I know I like to, to talk and entertain. Um, but right now I, it, it's, I'm supposed to have my elevator speech. I'm so bad at that. In 20 <laughs> seconds, I'm supposed to be next. You know, people say, I like that. I think that's healthy, seconds. man. Just take the I next think step so too, because I can't do it unless, unless the building is, you know, 3000 yeah. stories. I don't know what it is. <laughs> I just good. know I'm happy now. And I know you're doing well at what you're doing and that, if you focus on what you're doing now and you do it well, the opportunities will come, and uh, I don't I think hope. you have to worry about it. It's just fun to talk about. But, uh, you know, I had another uh, dad vibe thing come up this summer. Uh, Nike Air Monarchs. I'm not if sure if you're familiar with that shoe. But, yeah, uh, of course I am. That's, but, that's the number one monarch. Yeah, and if you're not familiar, you need to look it up, listeners. I, I ordered a pair this summer, and wow. I mean, that that if I didn't feel like a dad, when you put those on— I mean, you're doing it. You are in it. You're two feet in. I don't know if you've ever worn a pair, but you might want to consider it only maybe when you're taking the car seats in and out to really be full dad mode. Listen, they they they're monarchs, right? They're kings. Kings. They, they're, extra they're, you wide. Don't just get that name. Yeah. Yeah. Extra wide. They they offer a lot of support, and it's not like you're slumming it all the way down with New Balance. Right. I mean, this is like if New Balance put on a tuxedo, correct? And you want to go out and flip yeah. a few burgers or they're crack the a Lincoln beer. Town Car of of shoes. <laughs> Of sneakers, exactly. Yeah. The Lincoln Town Car. I think it's great. I don't have a pair of Monarchs, but I would absolutely pick one up. It's funny you do mention car, though, because, you know, we had one of your teammates on Good Morning Football this week, um, your tight end, Kyle Rudolph, yeah. and he started talking about your automobile, and he had all kinds of takes on it. I don't know if you heard that. I didn't hear it. No. What, was, what were his thoughts? All right. So we're talking football and saying this standard stuff about how excited you guys are for the season then somehow it came up your car and he was saying well it's not this the minivan he's like he's got this giant uh, product sticker on the side of it and that's <laughs> the thing that really bites me and so we had a whole back and forth about that and then we got into all right well if he's got the sticker and god bless him for having the sticker what else does he have and i took a couple shots at things that i thought you might have oh, on your car could I hit you with a couple Please of these do. now? Please do. All right. And if tell me either you, you have it or maybe you might be interested at some point in having it. All right. Do you have um, the baby on board sign? Oh, that would have been good. I don't know why I wouldn't, but I don't have it yet. It just goes to show okay. there's always room for improvement. All right. How about this improvement? Would, would, you, would you get a uh, suction cup Garfield on the inside window? Oh, my goodness. This is so good. I absolutely would. Okay. This, now, this is the ultimate. This is the filet mignon of the dad car accessories. Will the cousin's family go with the stick figure family in the rear window? My, my wife is anti that, but okay. usually anything that's cool that my wife is anti, I'm all for. Anything that's not okay. cool that my wife is against, I am all for. Last one. All right, and this, and this is my favorite one. And if you haven't done this yet, I, 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 I like to believe in good in this world, and I believe you will. <laughs> From the day after Thanksgiving, let's say through New Year's, will you have antlers and a red nose on your car? Oh, my goodness. You've got to do it, this is, this is This is, I mean, I should be writing all these down. Absolutely. Why <laughs> wouldn't you? <laughs> yeah, we absolutely, uh, we, we pretty much Ricky Bobbied our van. Uh, we okay. went we went pretty far, except we didn't put a Fig Newton sticker on the windshield. But, oh, that's uh, fantastic! But we Ricky Bobbied it. It raised money for our foundation, and uh, so you know it, it worked out pretty well. But uh, 
I can understand why my teammates kind of scratch their heads looking at it when they see it. No, that's fun. But the so. irony is you're going to pull in in December, and you're going to have the red nose and the antlers, and who are you going to pull up next to? Rudolph. It's absolutely <laughs> perfect, Kirk. So Everson Griffin, Everson Griffin put a threat out. He said, Kirk, if you pull into the team parking lot one more day with that van, <laughs> I will put it on blocks before the day is over. <laughs> so it's been staying in my garage way out of sight of Everson Griffin. If I do have to park it, I park it way around the corner by the support staff, nowhere near the players, just so that Everson and Griffin doesn't take the tires off. And he probably will, but Kurt, I'm going to pump you up now. This is why, all right, so you play the clip at the top about you're my favorite guy in the league, and someone might ask me why. And here's the reason why, because, and I'm dead serious, as I get a little older, I have different perspective, I start to I think about things I can teach my kids. And I have learned that I believe that the coolest thing in life is not worrying what other people think is cool. I really <laughs> think that. And frankly, you do a job and you play a position where a lot of your peers, they're great athletes, and I like watching them play, but I, I, don't, I think they try real hard to be cool. I think they say disingenuous things. I think some of them kind of act like posers. I'm not going to name names, but you are 100% authentic, dude. I oh, absolutely I love it. That. That's why you're my guy. And welcome back to Under Center with Kirk Cousins. Let's hear more from Kyle Brandt of NFL Network's Good Morning Football. Before you go, I wanted to yeah. you know touch touch base on the fact that you're from Chicago. I'm originally from the Chicago suburbs. Uh, do you get back there much? And uh, if so, like, do you ever? I found when we moved to Michigan growing up, my taste buds took a hit because like Portillo's sure. was no longer you know available in Michigan. The deep dish pizza wasn't available. Uh, thankfully, now in the Twin Cities, there's a couple Portillo's locations. But like to just get a good Italian beef, some crinkle cut fries, a Chicago dog, like. That's been few and far between for me, and I don't know with you if, if moving to other places has, has hit you the same way it's hit me. No, 100%. I mean, I, I, grew, up, I grew up uh, drinking a nice cold pop. You know, that's what <laughs> I wanted, I, a nice cold pop, and I would go to the White Hen Pantry, and I would oh, get my, my Slurpee. Now you're speaking my language. You know it. Cause, all right, so here's the deal. If anybody, I'm sure there's people who don't understand Chicagoland who are listening. Uh, I was born in Hinsdale and then grew up around Downers Grove, a town yep. called Indian Head Park, and then my family moved up to the north suburbs, Right around where actually the Bears facility is, sure. Shire Lake Forest. And Kirk, you claim Barrington, right? I do. And, and I, I wonder something interesting about this. I, I live in the East Coast now. And right. anytime I go back to Chicago, I mean, it's like the second I land at O'Hare, I feel kind of more comfortable in my own skin. I feel mm. like I'm back home. So yep. I look at someone like you. You spent a bunch of years in Washington. You moved back to Minnesota. You moved back to the Midwest. Do you feel more at home now that you're back in the Midwest? Yeah, for sure. The Midwest is just its own deal, and uh, it you know it moves at a different pace. Uh, people are just a certain way. Now, Chicago is the New York of the Midwest, if you will. <laughs> totally. So you know that's kind of the the epicenter. But at the same time, um, yeah, it's just good, good, hardworking people down to earth. And uh, uh, yeah, when we landed O'Hare, you know, if I go back and visit family or friends or drive around the suburbs, it yeah, it just feels like home. But at the same time, man. Growing up now in small, growing up in small town Michigan, and then even mm-hmm. being in the Twin Cities, uh, living outside the Twin Cities, you know, I, when I'm in Chicago, it's like, man, it's going to be 25 minutes to get anywhere, at least, if not further, because of how many stoplights in the traffic. But I guess welcome to living life in a big city. That's so. it, man. That's funny. When you land in O'Hare now, the official face of O'Hare Airport is like Brian Urlacher with hair. He's got billboards <laughs> everywhere. You can't get away from it. I like, kind of liked him without hair. I, I loved him without hair, and yet, like, he I don't must know not have liked him with without hair. 
I guess not. It, he, you know, <laughs> I thought he was always very comfortable, but then he's like, no, something's got to change. I mean, he's a first ballot Hall of Famer without hair, and yeah. he decided to get that thing put in, and now he's the face of O'Hare. <laughs> So um, weird. Now you went to Princeton, switching gears, yeah. I, which I think is impressive. I mean, you know a little bit about the Ivy League. Not easy to get into. Not easy to stay in. Not easy to graduate. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's a certain clientele getting into those places, and that you're competing with there for class rank and everything else. I wanted to hear a little bit about your experience at Princeton because I actually I had no scholarship offers. I played my high school senior year. My senior year finishes, and I went out and visited Princeton because I thought, look, if I'm not going to get an op- an opportunity to play major college football, this may be a a really good opportunity, you know. When, if I know I'm not going to yeah. play professionally, let's go for the academics and let's see where that could take me. And and I mean the quality of the stadium there, I mean the football program. So we visited, uh, ended up not working out, but but you know I was impressed with it. So I just want to hear your thoughts uh, on that sure. experience there, especially coming from Chicago, moving out there, and then also the whole um, senior year where you have to pick your own thesis and write an eighty to hundred page paper of your <laughs> yeah. own choosing, and what that whole process was um, like. I'll, I'll tell you, and Kirk. You- you and I have so much in common. The things you're saying, it's, it's exactly my story. I grew up a suburban Chicago kid, absolutely obsessed with Big Ten football, and that was my dream. Mm. And I grew up, um, you know, it's, it's, it's Michigan State, and it's, it's the Buckeyes and the Wolverines. And, and I was even in Northwestern. When I was in high school in the 90s, yep. Northwestern was winning the Big Darnell Ten. Darnell Autry. Darnell Autry, was, I had a poster of him on my door, <laughs> that number 24. I love Darnell Autry so much. He did a weird thing back then where he used to wear wristbands on his calves, yep. which was like unheard of in 1995. And I would wear wristbands on my calves because I wanted to be Darnell Autry. I, I, would, I wanted everything to be a Big Ten football player, Big Ten running back, mm. and I just didn't have it. You know, I didn't have the ability. So I was kind of stuck in that cycle where I'd get all the letters – and, you know, I'd go to the camps and I would talk to the coaches. Mm. But you could tell they weren't that interested. Yep. And, you know, maybe, 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 you know, I, it got to the point where, um, do I want to be a preferred walk-on at Purdue? I mean, no one wants to be a preferred yeah. walk-on at Purdue. And they just don't. And right. then it's like, well, maybe the Mac, you know, then you kick it down to the Mac. But my dream was not to play special teams at Toledo. I, it just wasn't. And with respect to that program, I wanted to be – a running back for someone in the Big Ten. Mm. And so when I realized, I'm like, this is not happening, I said, let me just get in the best school I can possibly get into and at the same time play some football. And it was really cool. When I went to Princeton, I was we opened that stadium in 1998. Wow. It's quite Rangers a stadium. stadium. If so you haven't been be, there, people great. don't realize in the Ivy League the quality of the stadiums uh, and the feel it gives to the programs. Yeah, it's legit. I mean, it's, and it's, you're talking about places like the Yale Bowl and the, you know, the Coliseum at Harvard. It's, it's really cool. So... Um, I ended up, you know, your, your story has a different ending, obviously, but you ended up finally getting the call. So how did you go from, I don't know, maybe I'll just go to the best school possible to playing to like a program like Michigan State? What was the moment it all changed? Yeah, I was very fortunate. Actually, it was on my visit to Princeton, the Michigan State coaches on John L. Smith's staff got fired. Yeah. And so I texted my recruiting coach and said, you guys had been in conversation with me. You had been encouraging me to, to stay, you know, uh, uh, waiting yeah. for an offer. And then I get the text that you're fired. What does that mean? And they said, you're going to have to start over entirely with the new coaching staff. And I remember being in Princeton, New Jersey, getting that text thinking, oh my goodness, I got to start all over with whoever they hire. Well, they hired Mark D'Antonio a couple of weeks later and immediately they reached out and said, hey, you know, we understand you were being recruited. We're going to keep in contact. And so the momentum continued. And then it was January, you know, signing day is early February. It was mid-January. Yeah. I went on an official visit 
And uh, a week later, they offered me a scholarship. And so it was just this constant dialogue. And uh, it really was the 11th hour. And there were some days where I thought, boy, should I just, you know, give up on Michigan State and take an offer or yeah. take whatever else I have? And I decided to wait. And uh, it all worked out, as we say. But uh, uh, it's amazing when you look back at those decisions and how they changed the, the direction of your life. And w- another decision you made, you know, the opportunity you had in 2001 to go on The Real World, mm-hmm. uh, pretty cool deal. Do you feel like that was key to being able to break through, or did it really not have a lot of impact on where your career was able to go from after that? I feel like I've been asking my question for like the last 20 years, the same question. It's, it's strange that, that that thing came to me. The, the very short version is my senior year at Princeton, uh, when the real world was a huge show and right. everyone would watch it in their rooms and apartments, it was really big. They came to Princeton just in an open call. And I went there wow. with some friends like on a whim and they liked me and they picked me. And, um, I had always wanted to go to Hollywood even before that. You know, I, did, I was the guy doing theater after football practice. And it's, interestingly enough, That's Darnell right. Autry played a role in that too because he was a theater major. So I That's always right. wanted to do plays and act and everything. So I do real world. I get to Hollywood. And it's so funny. Like at that time, 2002 in Hollywood was when reality shows as a term, as a genre, were blowing up. It was mm. The Bachelor obviously was coming and Survivor and everything. So I would go in these in these meetings, casting meetings to try to get some part in some show or something. And I'd be sitting there and, you know, like the guy from Joe Millionaire is next to me. And on the other side, it's the guy from Temptation Island. And like, we're all in the same room. And I was like, you know, I was in 12th night at Princeton. How, how the hell did you guys get in this room? You know, because you're on Hot or Not or whatever show you were on. It was a terrible, terrible moment. But the real world, I, it led me on this path one way or another. It was yep. a really stressful, wild experience that just came into my life out of nowhere. But I don't regret it. It was sure. fun, and sure. thankfully it has a very, very low internet presence. So, like, my <laughs> wife has never seen it. God <laughs> bless her. That's good news. <laughs> well, I'm excited to see where your career goes from here. Before I let you go, i got to ask you, uh, yeah. touchdown dances for 2019, do you have any that come to mind that you could recommend to me or to our team? If not... Uh, just you know, keep me posted if anything does come to mind because I'm always looking for new ones. I think the dead arm dance can always be brought back, but 100%. I'm also looking for any new ones if you have any ideas. Maybe we could do some like grilling in the corner of the end zone, <laughs> you know. But I don't know. All right, this is what you do because you guys, you guys, you guys set the standard, and this goes back a couple years. And Thielen is great, and obviously Diggs and Rudolph. I think what you do, Kirk, let's just bring this thing full circle. Why don't you do the celebration where you pretend like you're installing a car seat? And you just, you, you just kick and get mad, and then somebody has to come over. Start and yelling Dalvin at each other, palms yeah, up. Stomp, and you do it, you do it. And then maybe in the end, like Dalvin comes over and sits in the car seat, and you drive away, and it has a happy ending. You know, we may need some acting classes for me to be able to pull that off, yeah, but right. I, think, I think it's worth a try. appreciate you bringing that full circle, too. That's pretty good. See, Anytime, We can man. see That's your talent on display right there. Yeah, right. Awesome. Well, Kyle, thanks for coming on. Uh, continued uh, you know, blessings on the show and on your family, and uh, look forward to giving you a lot of content up ahead. Anytime, Kirk. I, you know, we, we have a lot of fun. We do the dad jokes and stuff, but I mean this completely genuinely. I like how you handle yourself. I like how you act as a leader, and you're my favorite guy in the NFL, man. All right. Thanks, man. And welcome back to Under Center with Kirk Cousins. Yeah, big one going on the road at Kansas City. The, the Chiefs have stumbled a little bit without Patrick Mahomes. No one knows if he, he will play on, on Sunday against the Vikings. I guess they're saying he's, a, he's an outside shot at playing, but that's not your concern. Your concern is the Chiefs' defense, and yeah. you're diving into them right now and taking a look at a very talented team. 
That's right. It starts with, um, you know, first of all, their health on defense. You know, they've had two of their best players didn't play on Sunday night, uh, Jones and, and Clark, two great D linemen, pass rushers. So uh, not sure if they'll go. I'm, I'm assuming they will because they've been out now for a few weeks. And so we've got to be ready for their best. But, uh, um, you know, whoever's out there, we know that playing at Arrowhead Stadium is a loud, tough place to play. They're a really good football team. They've uncharacteristically lost a, lost a few games there this year. And so, uh, you know, we'd like to be able to to add to that list, but uh, it's going to be a challenge. And so need a good week and uh, need a good plan. And then we got to go out there and execute it come Sunday. But uh, these are the kind of games, you know, when you want to be a good team in the NFL, you got to go and win. You know, a road game against a good football team who's been there and done that. Um, this is one that, that we knew going into the season would be a big game for us. You don't have a traditional cold weather game on the schedule. I'm not quite sure what the weather will be, of course, next Sunday in Kansas City, but you anticipate that head coach Mike Zimmer will have you guys working outside. Yeah. It will be pretty chilly temperatures here in the Twin Cities this week leading up to the game because you are playing outdoors this week. I think it's a no-doubter that we're outside this week, pretty much regardless of what the weather is. I think you have to be ready for it. I expect it to be you know, somewhat cold in Kansas City this weekend. Uh, nothing crazy, but... Something you got to prepare for by practicing outside. So we'll do that unless it's just pouring rain for some reason, uh, which in that case we'll open all the doors in the indoor and make sure it's just as cold in the indoor um, and have a good week of preparation. But uh, it's a unique schedule this year with our three divisional opponents' uh, home games at mm-hmm. the end of the year. So we have those three games indoors at, at home, and then we play the Cowboys on the road. And um, you know we certainly go to Seattle in December, but many of our games are just not in – cold weather which in the nfc north you'd think would happen more often but uh, this is really the latest game of the year aside from seattle where we're going to be you know outside in in potentially cold inclement weather this seems like everyone says it's one of the best atmospheres in the national football from a fan's perspective you've played there before yeah played there on monday night football in 2017 Uh, lost a heartbreaker at the end but uh it just doesn't feel corporate. You know, it feels maybe ah. a college stadium would be a, a comparison. It feels you can feel the history. Um, I think the fans are close to the field. Um, even there in the National Anthem when they say the home of the Chiefs and they scream Chiefs. It's There's a lot of good stuff going on there and a lot of tradition. And it's so much that is good about the NFL is that fan base and what they bring to the table on game day. Again, we don't know what uh, the status of Patrick Mahomes uh, will be. Uh, he's missed because of the dislocated kneecap, missed the Packer game. But uh, your thoughts just in general about a young quarterback like that and the skill set he brings to the National Football League? Yeah, he, he's unbelievable what he can do. Um, I mean, no-look passes. Uh, the arm talent. I remember when I went down to watch uh, tape around the league with John Gruden, this was two or three years ago, Patrick Mahomes was coming out in the draft that spring, and this is probably February or March, and he said, let me show you a cut-up of a guy named Patrick Mahomes from Texas Tech. Look at these throws, and he had you know a dozen or two dozen throws of his from his days at Texas Tech, and he said, I've, Kirk, I've never seen anything like this. A quarterback was wow. throwing the ball like this down the field, and uh, we just sat there and marveled at about 12 to 20 plays of, of him throwing. And so I guess seeing those cut-ups, then I learned, you know, before he was ever drafted, how unique he was. Wasn't sure if it would translate because you've heard of other talented passers in college who, when they got the NFL, it didn't, it didn't compute. But it has mm-hmm. certainly computed with this guy. And uh, he carries himself well. I think he's a great ambassador for our league. And, uh, uh, you know, to some degree, you watch and you study other players and you try to pick pieces of their game. Certainly with Mahomes, you try a little bit, but there's also moments where you say, you know what, I don't think I can play like that. And, uh, you know, if he can, more power to him. I think a lot of young quarterbacks try to emulate, whether it's an Aaron Rodgers or, I mean, you look at a Baker Mayfield, someone like that, Mm -hmm. think, I can do that or I can do that. 
probably can't do that yet. I mean, he's got some yeah, special skills. Yeah, I mean, you know, my my ability to do things off schedule comes, you know, against the Lions on a bootleg trying to throw that post to Adam, you know, at the back of the end zone. Crazy. And, and that's my version of it. You know, it may not be sprinting to my right and throwing across my body back to the middle left and hitting a guy in stride 30 yards down the field, but you know, that's my version of it. And so you still have to be creative and pull a rabbit out of your hat in your own way. I think all of us have to do that as a quarterback. Otherwise, we're not going to be able to play. But uh, Patrick, just the way he's playing, the way he does it, it's it's fun to watch. You know, it's fun to tune in on a Sunday night football game and see what he's bringing to the table. Well, take us inside the locker room a little bit. And uh, what's the pulse of this football team as we hit into the second half of the season? Well, I think uh, we we are um, in a good spot at 6-2, and two, but I, I'm I'm – Really want to emphasize to our locker room, no complacency. Have an edge. Treat it like we're 0-0 and this is an eight-game season and that we have to be at least 6-2 and in the back half of the season so that we can get to the playoffs and, and have the year we want to have. And home playoff games are so important, I think, to have success late in the year. And so we gotta, we got to not just win games to get in the playoffs. we got to win games to get home playoff, a, a home playoff game or home playoff games that's where my focus is, and, and uh, I think when you look at the eight teams we're playing, it's good football teams who are going to be there at the end as well. All the more reason that we have to keep our edge and uh, just have to get back to work. You know, work has been a word we've used, and that's how you do it. You know, you can't play all the games right now, but you can put the work in so that when the games come, we're ready to put on a great show. Between now and then, uh, we have Halloween uh, that's right. uh, coming up. Uh, got plans for that with the kids? Yeah, we had a little uh, team party uh, Monday night, which was fun. And then, uh, um, you know, with with two boys, you know, I got a two year old and a and a seven month old. The seven month well, old doesn't really know what's going yet. on, yeah. but the two year old <laughs> certainly is going to get dressed up, walk around the neighborhood, and uh, I think he's going to have a lot of fun with candy. He just learned how to say mine and me. Uh oh. And so I have a feeling not yeah. only is he going to want to walk himself everywhere and take forever, but then when he gets <laughs> the candy, he ain't sharing with anybody. No, well, that's so half the fun. We'll have fun with that and. Um, Take some good pictures, and uh, hopefully it's you know warm enough to at least get by. You took some great pictures, I think, outside of your home the other day of looking at our, our fall colors. Yeah, yeah, that that was we're out in Inver Grove, so it's pretty rural where we are, and we have a nice long view, and it's a peaceful place to be really year round. I mean, we love it in the winter, spring, summer, but in the fall when the leaves are changing, I think just the last week, week and a half has kind of been peak yeah. season for the leaves changing colors, and. Um, yeah, you really appreciate it when you have that weekend off to get away from football and just kind of catch your breath and look around for a minute. Don't keep the snowblower too far away from you, though. It's coming. I hate to tell you, Kirk. Uh, let's go to a couple of calls here. and People want to talk to you about some football. Hey, Kirk, this is Michael. I'm from Dallas. I've watched all your games. Love your moxie. I love the way you play the game. Love your approach. I love your attitude, man. I just wish you the best. And when you come to Dallas, November the 10th, I cannot wait to see you. I already got my tickets. I already took off work. You're doing great <laughs> things, and I wish you nothing but the best. You take care. He's fired up. Yeah, he's got some great energy. We haven't just gotten to Dallas week yet. I can only imagine what he's going to be like that week. So looking forward to getting down there, and uh, hopefully you know, there's going to be a lot of Vikings fans in Texas, and hopefully they can come out and uh, represent us well there. Yeah, back-to-back road games. Uh, it's going to be interesting. That's what, you, what it's all about, though, against uh, playoff teams. Yeah, and that was why we knew we had to get to 6-2 and two before, the, uh, before this long weekend we just had because uh, we got some really good football teams coming up here, and uh, we couldn't afford to, to lose one before that. So – um, you know, we got to take advantage of many of these road games as we can. Okay, let's go to our next caller. My name is Eric Jutkins. I'm from Smithfield, Virginia. I was a Redskins fan, Kurt. I've been a Redskins fan all my life. I'm a Minnesota fan now because of you. <laughs> I remember the day you got drafted. 
you got your opportunity, man, and you seize the moment. And everything that you earn in this league, you earn it. And nobody give it to you. You earn every single lap. And that's why I respect your game the most, man, because I don't look at the way you came in the league like other people. I don't look at you like other quarterbacks because I still look at you as a young quarterback, honestly. And I'm proud of you. You come a long way. Keep on doing what you do, bro. The naysayers will never stop. Let's be upon to you. Let's be upon to your family. And uh, let's be on to the Vikings, man. Take care. <laughs> That's a nice call. Um, I've never understood how, how a fan could be so supportive that they would give up their, their uh, you know, fanship of a team to follow another team. But I appreciate it. And, uh, yeah, I have come a long way. You know, he made the point because he was probably following me from when I was drafted. Uh, I never thought, you know, even if I worked and worked, that uh, I'd be able to be in the position I'm in. So I'm very fortunate and grateful. And certainly my time in Washington, you know, was a big part of my development. And, uh, you know, really looking forward to hopefully taking another big step this season and this, in the years ahead. I think that the the growth and the continuous improvement is still out there for me to go get. So I'm excited about what's ahead. We all know it's a business at the same time. Uh, how fun is the locker room when yeah. you're winning? What, what's the personality like? You know, it's it's... I've always said winning cures all wrongs. And so if you have dysfunction in a locker room, but you're winning, there's no dysfunction and vice versa. If you have a pretty healthy locker room, but you're losing, they're going to find dysfunction. And so uh, winning just, it just changes the whole tenor of the season. I mean, it's fun to come into work. The days don't feel long. Uh, You love the grind. Um, You know, you build that brotherhood. And uh, you, you make memories, great memories. And you look back on the season just saying, boy, that was the best of times. And so it's all about winning. It changes everything. And, um, and so we got to you know, find a way to keep it going because six and two, especially these last four weeks, you know, feels pretty good. And, you know, let's, let's keep it going. All right, thanks, Kirk. That'll wrap it up for this edition of Under Center with Kirk Cousins, the Vikings and the Chiefs, noon next Sunday. Have a good evening, everyone.